You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to oklahomahof on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, host, back with another episode down at the Oklahoma City Chamber today. Um first time I've ever been in the building and it's the first time I put in the address so now I know where it is uh, which is good but <clears throat> I need to come to that like dinner that's outside of the park yes like, you do I, I have, I've always seen it and now I understand why it's right outside because obviously yes. it's a big part of what you guys do but uh, my guest today is the present CEO our new present CEO of the chamber Christy Gilmorter thank you for um, having me down here well, thank you for allowing us the opportunity. That's great. Yeah, Appreciate I, yeah, yeah. We, I think I had, um, uh, I had a lot of people have sung your praises uh, and were super pumped to get you down here because uh, you started January 5th, right? Mm-hmm. So Correct. today is May 5th. It's Cinco de Mayo today. That's right. Um, so yeah, it's um, what, four or five months then into mm-hmm. your job. But obviously, you know, you know, you're, you're, very comfortable and and this role to you you were previous previous president in chattanooga and then southwest indiana so this is not something that's like out of the norm for you right other than a new city obviously right but before we dive into all the chamber Mm -hmm. stuff and all the boring what's not boring quote day-to-day stuff tell me about you what's kind of your story where'd you grow up and and how do you weave into 
this job? Oh, great question, Mike. Um, yeah, 25 years in the industry, it's it's flown by. Mm-hmm. Kind of my story behind it. So I grew up in, in Cincinnati, uh, the daughter of an entrepreneur. Uh, yes, he worked for a larger company for a while, and that's a part of the story, uh, but then was an entrepreneur. And at the time of his passing, um, heartbreak to me, this, this marks 12 years this month um, since I lost him, he actually was a small business owner employing about 40 people. Uh, But at the time I was in college, he was actually handling site selection work for the company he ran. And he was spending a lot of time with chambers and economic development leaders and felt very strongly that this was uh, the career made for me or or I was made for this career either way. And uh, he's so much of the reason I'm here today. Uh, My mother uh, was a social worker by trade and um, my father grew up on a a farm outside of Cincinnati. So kind of that hard work ethic uh, was installed at me at a very young age. I was uh, a bit sporty growing up, so very competitive. And uh, But I also see uh, other cities, for example, other um, markets as, as co-opetition, you know, uh, opportunities to work together, but but also uh, how can we learn from them and, and yeah. really have them challenge us to be better. But yes, went off to, um, when I was at Indiana University for my undergrad, I, I asked to intern. I was their first intern, 40,000 students right down the street and the first intern at the chain after my father had suggested, again, this line of work for me. And I just fell in love with it and uh, haven't looked back. But I have a younger brother who's a urologist uh, in North Carolina. And um, just, yes, really humbled to be here. I have uh, two bonus children and two uh, that are older and two who are here with us. And uh, yes, a husband who is an entrepreneur and real estate investor himself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So great recap. Um, I wish all my guests could do it that well. <laughs> not not shade, putting shade on some of my guests who like to ramble, but anyway, I'll, I'll stop there. Otherwise I'll get myself in trouble. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a really neat story and, and sorry to hear about your dad passing and you know, obviously this month being a special yes. month for you guys. And, and you know, the whole reason that you are here today is because of that. And that's special. That mm-hmm. really is special. And you get reminded of that because you work with small businesses and That's all this right. stuff every day. So That's right. it is a nice reminder and a great kind of, um, you know, sense of you're, you're doing well and giving back and, and just making him proud every day. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he's pumped. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So growing up, uh, you, you mentioned sports. Like, are we, are we running around into sports? Uh, you said the younger brother. Is he pushing you into sports as well? Like, is, is were you kind of like... Um, you know, you mentioned your dad being an influence. Is dad pushing you into sports as well, wishing he had a first son? Like, what, what's the dynamic going on? Oh, that's that? a great question. So, you know, that's interesting. I'll have to ask my, my mom that. I remember playing soccer at age six. Okay. Um, loved soccer. Soccer um, was my love. Would have loved to have played in college. I tore my ACL my senior year, which is also, I think, part of the story because, um, you know, how I handled that, right? This kind of crushing uh, experience, if you will, um, you know, thinking perhaps I could walk on on a team. I wasn't that great, but, um, but you know, could I walk on somewhere? And, and, you know, that was all, all over. And so it was a good kind of adjustment period for me. I think similarly, um, you know, I started swimming, trying to remember, I was probably about eight because my mother actually grew up not being able to swim and she had a real 
fear of the water. It's kind of interesting because my brother and I became such water people. You know, I used to compete in sprint triathlons. My husband, we're boaters. We're, we're very much our whole family now water people. And, you know, what a gift she gave us. Um, played basketball. I was awful. And, uh, <laughs> but, but tall. So, you know, that, that was part of it. But swimming and soccer, I think, were really my love. Um, uh, participated in track. I have kind of a funny story. In fact, I, I was telling our sitter the story last night who plays you know collegiate uh, volleyball and I said yes my uh, my sophomore year in high school I was this, the sophomore on the team running a four by 100 race we made the state in Ohio and and the third leg of of our relay which is the slowest leg usually and I have a senior and uh, two juniors and I see the two juniors, you know, together and, and number one passing to number two and number two running to me. And I thought something's not right. Something is off. And I notice no baton in her hand. Right. And she's running towards <laughs> me with no baton. And I look at her and she said, just, <coughs> just run, just run. And so we ran, of course we were disqualified. Yeah. Um, and I remember our lead Patty just, you know, beating herself up. And we said, listen, it could have been any one of us. You know, we were ta- talking to you. No one noticed you, you, know, you didn't have the baton in your hand. It's on all of us. And, and again, I think just a, a good life lesson about, you know, teamwork and, and, you know, when, when someone makes a mistake, Hey, you know, you, you, it, no matter how much you train, no matter how much you prepare, sometimes things happen and you just have to learn from it and, and move on. And so, um, so anyway, I loved my sport experience, um, you know, the understanding and value of teamwork and preparation and collaboration and intensity. Um, and, and again, that competitive spirit, but also having fun. And I think part of the reason my parents probably sent me into a lot of sports or encouraged it was I was extremely social and and very much an extrovert and so channeling some of that energy I think through sport uh probably was wise on on their part yeah that's uh when, when we look back right and I love doing podcasts like this and, and it kind of forces the guest to look back because you might have not it brings back so many memories right yes. and it's such kind of a fun time because you you bring out those stories and you're like you know thinking that the world is so important at 15, 16 to 18, right? And like, you know, you've got so many big decisions to make in life and really you don't, right? right but at the time right, of you, it's, yeah, right. hindsight. And then you look back and you're like, wow, like there's so yes. many lessons in that and fun times. And I mean, I'm a big, you know, I wouldn't be here without the sport of golf. I played, yeah. you know, football, soccer growing up as well. And, you know, it's, sport is so important, I think, That's to kids. And we don't have kids, but whenever we decide to, like, sport is going to be at the front of it. Mm-hmm. And just because of the skills, you you know, you don't have to be good at it. That's not right. the point. It's the fact that the life skills you build around sport, the team things, the individual right. things, you know. And um, obviously, we just had the Oklahoma City Marathon, you know, yeah. last weekend. And my wife ran her first marathon. And I said, that, you know, yeah, she was super, she was That's not great. happy with it performance because she kind of underestimated her the heat mm. or whatever and she mm-hmm. but she finished and and then I said well look sleep on it I want to know how you feel tomorrow and she woke up the next day and she's like I feel like I can do anything now like yes. so much confidence right and that's yes. and that's at 30 years old right and imagine doing you know competing into you know as a kid younger and it, it builds so much confidence and she never really competed as an athlete as a kid yes. whereas you know we did right so we have that kind of mm-hmm. leg up and that mental kind of 
a little earlier mental toughness with, yeah, I can do it. I can believe in myself. And, and, you know, even though there's parents screaming at us and there's noise, like getting that quiet space in your head and focusing on a track or in the pool or on a soccer field, like that builds so much character as a young age. You're completely right. And then looking at those elite athletes, I mean, just, you know, those who compete and understanding sportsmanship and the importance of it. I mean, I think that's something that we must constantly remind our kids of. Unfortunately, it isn't, you know, as strong maybe as when I felt like when I was growing up, but, but yeah. And then to, to value those, those elite athletes, but yeah, I mean, marathon, I mean, those who can complete a marathon, the mental will it took in her to do that um that's phenomenal yeah it's uh i was cheering i was yes. not running i did last year um so i've done go. it i've done it once good, good not, for you uh, you know she's trying to get me to do it again but it's uh, it's a big commitment we'll see yeah um so so then yeah sports huge for you growing up um you know like like you said you're you're tall you're, you're kind of mom has a fear of swimming which kind of forces you to learn and get the get you into that and now you love mm-hmm. swimming and love being in the water um and you mentioned kind of soccer, you, the the goal was to walk on somewhere, but you know, you have an injury that forces you to not play soccer now. Um, so where'd you go to university then? What was the decision thing? If I can't play soccer, where am I going to go? And, and what was the goal? Was it that early on that with the internship that it was like, okay, my mind's kind of set. Let's go and follow dad's advice and go to the chamber. So great question. So, um, it was interesting. I, um, my mother didn't want me to travel that far away for university and kind of put a few hour radius on me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ohio at the time had more schools per capita than anywhere else in the country. She had done all this research and, you know, I had to convince my mechanical engineering, you know, father, that was his framework, right. Of why I wanted to go out of state. I had looked at a number of schools and, um, candidly when I stepped foot on India, University, I really fell in love with it. And one one thing um, part of the admissions uh, team had told us that day is you can make a big school small, but you can't make a small school big. And I graduated from a school that was, you know, hundred students in my graduating class. And I thought that's so interesting. You know, I've been at the same school since I was in kindergarten and matriculated on through high school. Very strong school. And, um, and I felt like, hey, I want to see how I do in a bigger market, if you will, 40,000 students, right? And so just really fell in love with the campus at the time, had um, entered into the business school. And so it was just a great fit um, in that regard. And then, yeah, as I uh, went on through, and it's kind of interesting, and this is part of the story too. So I'm in the Kelly School of Business. I still well, technically, you know, you get a, you were initially admitted, and then at the end of your sophomore year, you receive word whether you're you're in for your junior and senior year. And I, I still remember reflecting that summer as I found out I was accepted, and I looked at my dad and I said, "I'm not sure if the business school is where I want to be right now." And we had this school of public environmental affairs, and I, I think that was kind of the start of this split in me, where there was so much in the business side that I valued. But there was this nonprofit kind of piece calling me as well. 
and and I took a, um, a nonprofit management class, and they said, okay, you can either take this final exam or you can go out and, and conduct an internship and write, you know, write a substantial uh, paper on your learnings, what kind of work you did, and and the impact it's had on your life. And I took the latter move, and you know, again, that's where my father really stepped in and suggested chamber uh, economic development work. And I still remember the CEO of the chamber when I went in to see him. He had been a, a, a military leader at Ukraine um, in Indiana. He was 6'6", real intimidating guy for most, um, but really was just a teddy bear. And um, and I said to him, hey, I'd like to come in and intern, right? And he, he said, why? And we talked through it and called me back the next day and said, let's do this. And I still remember saying, you know, you have 40,000 students down the street. I can't believe you all haven't had interns before. And it, it's kind of fun because... Uh, uh, again, really became passionate about it. I ended up running a chamber just out of outside of Indianapolis upon graduation. Uh, but years later, um, about what was it? Not quite 10 years later, I was actually speaking in Indianapolis on the topic of forming an you know investor angel network. And, and Steve came up to me, uh, again, that CEO at the time of the Bloomington Chamber, and he said, hey, I'm retiring. You should apply for my job. And I said, well, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. You know, and I just finished my MBA, and you know, I'm on the economic development side and of, of this chamber. And he said, no, you didn't hear me. You are applying for my job, you know. And Effectively, I'm giving yes, you the job. Yes, you I'm, I'm like, you it. need, which it had an extensive, you know, application process. There were 60 applicants, and it was very extensive. But, but you know, having that from yeah. him of, you know, you, you, you must do this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, anyway, he was a, quite an influencer in my life. But, uh, but yeah, all started off as, you know, again, the power of interns. And yeah. here we have, you know, the intern OKC program. We try to help make those connections. So many companies here in OKC, you know, are mindful about that opportunity, bringing interns into their place of work. And we can't thank them enough because for so many people, it lights up their life and changes yeah. their life path. In some cases, they might decide, hey, this isn't right for me, but better to find out now than later. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's interesting that, you know, that is kind of the pivot point, right? Because you could have easily gone and followed dad's footsteps and done, you know, I'm going to be a business owner. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Yes. And, and you know, it's, it's nice to know that early on, right? Because a lot of people you know, think, yeah, I, I, you know, it's cause in this country, it's so easy to start a business, yes. right? Like, especially with, you know, social media online mm -hmm. website, whatever it is and AI mm -hmm. and all the stuff that's happening now, like it's not, you know, you don't need to get a brick and mortar store and have product. You can just drop ship everything from your phone. Um, but it is interesting that you made that switch early on. And I'm interested to know, did you have any just kind of ideas in the back of your mind thinking if I were to start a business, like it would be, and, you know, do you have anything that you thought or dreams as a kid that I would love to own a business someday and it would be this? Great question. You know, it's interesting because my father had always said, hey, I have X put aside for you. I mean, I, I grew up, I was very blessed. I was yeah. very fortunate. My father worked really hard. Um, you know, again, grew up on a farm, waking up at 5 a.m. every day to help with the livestock, right? And uh, actually, I think it was four. Um, but but um, he said, I have a certain amount of money I've set aside to help you, you know, start your first business. Um, but for me, I think on my journey, I became fascinated with 
uh, supporting and recognizing the risk that others took in starting their business um, and representing them relentlessly when it came from, you know, to the advocacy side of the house, but also connecting them, you know, connecting small businesses with larger businesses, connecting small businesses with medium-sized businesses who they are interested in meeting and and potentially talking about um, their product or or their line of service. And so for me, I think it it was that service side of me that that started to balance out a little bit more. Um, and And I guess I like to think of myself as is somewhat of an entrepreneur, but more for communities and community building, um, just not on the, the for-profit side of it. Yeah. Uh, selfish question for me, because I kind of love cars and motorsport. With the Indianapolis 500 oh. and Indy, I mean, did you get any chance to go? And how was that experience? Oh, yes, did? yes. Right. Uh, in like fact, we have annual tickets. Yeah. We, we just sold our tickets the other week. Um, but yes, a lot of times at the Indianapolis 500, um, you know, both in the stands and in the suites, right? And it is a magical experience if you've you've never been. I've been, you know, pre-COVID and post-COVID. And it is, um, it is such a sports spectacle. And yeah. just how it uh, transforms Indianapolis uh, for the month uh, of May, really, uh, is, is quite phenomenal. And just the spirit it brings. And, you know, I think one thing I love, and, and my husband's a, a man of many interests, and I, I kind of love that. You know, he used to fly planes, um, you know, boating, right? I mean, scuba diving, all these. And he he tends to go all in, right? Ex-Army Ranger, they're, they're intense, um, intense in their sport, if you will. And what you find is this interesting subculture, uh, you know, in each one of these sports and and in motorsports, it's really a, a fascinating. Uh, culture, you know, indie sport, different indie car, different than NASCAR, um, uh, you know, and it's it's kind of fascinating. I've been to NASCAR race in in Indy as well as the. Um, Oh, heavens, the European. Um, F1. Yeah, F1, yeah. of course. F1 race that they hosted there once. And, yeah. and just each one has kind of a different subculture to it. But yes, yes, the, the 500 special. I, it's bucket list for me. So yes. I will uh, have to talk to you about that later. Know, we'll have to offline. Uh, I would love to do that because yes. I think my wife would not. It would be me and someone else because she doesn't yes. understand the... I'm, I'm kind of similar to your husband. Like I, I just... There's so many different things that I love to do and want to be outside and... Um, I can't fly a plane and I've not served, but uh, I love cars and golf there you and go. everything else. So there you go. I'm sure we yes. have a great conversation. No doubt. Uh, so so you, your, your former boss comes back and says, you need to apply for this job. You're kind of finishing your MBA successfully. You get that job. Where do we go from there? Sure. So uh, in Bloomington, you know, home of Indiana University, right? And, mm-hmm. and so spent, uh, gosh, seven and a half, almost eight years there, uh, very heavily involved in policy work and mm-hmm. uh, building of an interstate uh, that was, uh, in fact, a new terrain interstate from southern Indiana, what would be Evansville, you know, what, what it would be my next job, Evansville to Bloomington, which is kind of an interesting story. You know, here Evansville, much more conservative, you know, business and intense um, kind of community and, you know, met a lot of their leadership as we all advocated together for this new terrain interstate. Um, but that was some of the body of work there, new bypass, you know, so it was very heavily kind of an infrastructure related uh, role, but but also around uh, intellectual property, research and development, 
development, innovation, and how we really take that ecosystem from an economic development standpoint in Bloomington to the next level. Um, you know, as we were connecting to Southern Indiana, as we were now finally going to um, have an interstate to Indianapolis, you know, we knew that 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 population would start to grow, and it was a real opportunity for economic development. And so that was kind of interesting, and just watching Indiana University really transform more and more students coming in from the East Coast. You know, so you saw all this new housing and downtown pop up of, of what East Coast uh, type of students were looking for. Um, so, was, and international. I mean, their international student base really um, boomed during that time as well. And so, um, so that was that was really exciting work. Uh, as I mentioned during the the I sixty nine lobbying efforts, really became familiar with the Evansville uh, crowd, and when their CEO position uh, opened up, you know they reached out. And I, I've been fortunate to very much have a story about connections, you know, that um, I feel like every time I did end up in a move, it was someone knocking on my door, you know, just like when I left that initial community um, that I started after college in, you know, it was the CEO of the then Muncie Chamber who came down, asked me to have lunch. I'd met him at some events mm -hmm. and said, hey, I, I need you to move uh, to Muncie and here's what I want you to do, you know, and so so been just fortunate. And I think that's a real, you know, message for anyone, no matter where you are in your career, always building out that network, right? Yeah. And and trying to help others uh, because you never know, you know, when that might circle back to you. But then they made it to the Evansville region, so the Southwest Indiana Chamber, where then the project became um, not building the interstate north, but yeah. south, which was, you know, as we stated, we had this cul-de-sac, uh, the interstate stopped and you had the Ohio River and no plan for a bridge. And meanwhile, our friends in Kentucky were making some progress and in Tennessee we're making some progress and we realized oh my gosh we need a you know over a billion dollar bridge and so um so when this was brought to me in my first month on the job I said okay I know exactly what to do we're calling our friends in in Henderson Kentucky we're saying you bring your best business minds to the table and political minds will bring ours let's form a, a new board and let's get this done and it was what many have said you know the fastest moving bridge project um probably in in quite some time in our country and so it was a lot of fun to kind of yeah. see that move. It, it helped that we had a um, internationally renowned bi bridge builder in the market who we, um, you know, I kind of arm twisted a little that, hey, can you can you give us some analysis on what this bridge really should cost? Because yeah. we think what's been proposed or messaged is incorrect. And sure enough, they were able to shrink that down for us. And then we were really able to have conversations once we mm -hmm. moved that price point under a, under a billion dollars. So that was one of our initiatives. Another was really a community branding initiative um, around how do we kind of um, increase, you know, our, our our confidence in ourselves and start talking about ourselves. I think Evansville always felt disconnected from the rest of the state of Indiana. So, um, you know, how do we walk with more confidence in who we are? And so um, pulled together a number of uh, partners. It was a great collaboration and really built out EAS for everyone, Evansville. And, um, you know, it's so neat to look now, gosh, about 10 years later at, at how that's been built out, organizations changing their names to, you know, e, their E version of something. Yeah. Um, and so, yes. So, that's so Evansville. Exciting. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind straight away as soon as you said that is like, yeah, we're going to call the other side of the water because 
they're going to benefit from it too, right? Like that's, it makes total sense to do that. But a lot yes. of people think I, 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 me, 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 and um, this bridge is going to, we're going to get them to come to us. No, we're also going to go to them as well. The bridge works both ways. Exactly. So. And hey, half of it's in Kentucky, right? right? And yeah, so like you sense. think about, right, the, the fact you need both governors and it's kind of this fascinating story, actually. We had the MOU signed by the two governors, um, literally um, a 24, about 48 hours before Mike Pence was tapped mm. by Donald Trump to be the vice presidential candidate. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those just in the nick just of time. time. And we knew that that was underway. So we were really having to push those final, yeah. um, those final weeks to get everything signed mm. and, and moved accordingly. So what, um, so what year is this then before, you know, everything's obviously going well, you get the bridge probably, what year is this? And then we'll move into kind of how we get here in Oklahoma City. So that's a great question. What year would that have been? Um, I'll have to go back and think about that here. Um, I want to like 18, say that, that was, 18? Uh, I think it was a little bit before that. Um, but yeah, somewhere, somewhere sure. in there, somewhere in there. So obviously, you know, you get that project done, you move on to, you know, you're happy where you're at and you're doing things. Do you go elsewhere between there and Oklahoma City or do you stay there? You go to Tennessee, is that right? So, yes, yes, it was interesting. So, I, um, I've i been very involved in our national association. I love professional development and gotcha. lifting others up in the industry. Uh, that's something I've always uh, been really concerned about. And so, I had served as, as chair of our Chamber of the Year process. So, we had won in Bloomington and Evansville the National Chamber of the Year um, Award for, for our level of chambers. And, and so I had chaired this process and, um, came down to Chattanooga uh, being a finalist. And so I'd really uh, been able to spend some time with their leadership during our conference and got to know them. And, uh, they ended up winning and, uh, you know, went back and congratulated them. And we all, you know, went our separate ways. And about three weeks later, I received a call from one of their leaders that, Hey, our CEO just announced his retirement. He, it was already his retirement gig, um, the chamber, and he had been there a few years. And um, they said, you, you really need to take a look at this. Um, they're going to be reaching out to you. And one thing led to another. And, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to, again, uh, be asked to you know, serve that community. And um, had a lot of great efforts we, we worked on there. Um, one was a community visioning process. Another was, you know, a, a five-year economic development workforce talent pipeline plan that would really lift up that vision. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that's, I think, some of the work we're most proud of. Also working on a new arena for a baseball stadium, I should yeah. say, a new ballpark. Um, that was something in kind of the final months, getting that across the finish line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a lot of body of work there in, in the Chattanooga area. Again, um, during COVID, you know, I think leading during the COVID times, mm-hmm. Mike, right, was so interesting for a lot of leaders. So, you know, what we did to help really build the resiliency of the business community very intentionally, we moved mm-hmm. everything remote, you know, overnight, um, and had a lot of success with that. And, and then really on our, uh, we went all, all in on remote workers and saw a huge boon in our population, uh, during that time, as we were really intentional about, um, creating Chattanooga calling, right. Yeah. And, and, and all the supports that go with that of welcoming new people to the market and really playing into what we were known for, which was outdoor space. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, every, you know, it, obviously it's nice to be kind of 
kind of headhunted and wanted, right? To get those phone calls, I mean, clearly, you, you know, you know at that point, if it happens multiple times, you're very good at what you do and people need, want you and you're on a short list. Um, but the other thing is like, everyone's different too. Every every place is different. So yes. it's not just like a roadmap of, I've got my roadmap, this is what I do at every place I go to and this works. Like everyone's different. So there's so many different skills and, and that you, you know, team building and just bringing people together and just having, getting everyone in a room and just saying, how do we figure this out, right? And getting the best people in the room is the key as well, right? Not just having a room full yes. of, you know, kind of college shirts and bald heads or whatever to just share coffee and, you know, twiddle your thumbs a little bit. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sure you've come across in your time in the business as well. Sure. Uh, so how do we go then from there then? Like what is, I mean, what have you ever been to Oklahoma at this point? You have Oklahoma ties. Naturally, Oklahoma's city chamber comes calling to you just because that's been, you know, I assume that since that's how, that's what's happened to you in your career as well. Chambers come calling your way, but how, you know, what, what is that like? And, and, you know, for your family and kids, like you've been moving around a lot, right? You know, yes, it's like your yes. husband's been in the military and he's not the one moving anymore. It's right. the, it's you moving everybody instead. Right. Which is, it's also, I mean, he, I'm sure would be used to it, but the kids as well is it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's a big deal to move around like that. So. It is a big deal. And, you know, for people, you know, my husband and I, neither one of us had ever moved growing up, you know, again, yeah. started in, in the high school, you know, the kindergarten we were in and finished those in the same school system. But, um, but great question, Mike. So, for us, I mean, we thought Chattanooga was it. Our kids were in great schools. We really loved the market. And, uh, but I had had this affinity for Oklahoma City for about 10 years. So 10 years ago, yeah, it was in, it was in 13, mm -hmm. the chamber here hosted our national convention. Okay. And I thought, gosh, there's so much going on. And at the time I knew Roy, you know, Roy's legendary in our industry, right? And I remember talking to him at a reception that night, just thinking, gosh, I mean, what the body of work this chamber is involved in. And of course, you know, he's brilliant. And, um, and I thought this is just impressive work. Right. And I, and so it kind of went in my mind that, okay, this now needs to be a chamber. I watch mm -hmm. because I had always been focused on who are those chambers bigger than us. You know, when I became in love with this career at 22, I was always looking at who are those top leaders I need to ping every now and then and yeah. learn from them. And what communities do I really, need to be studying. So, you know, it's funny when I had been in Indiana, Chattanooga had been one, you know, and then um, once I discovered Oklahoma City, you know, again, for 10 years, Oklahoma City had really been one for me. Uh, I also, going back, I can't believe this, 20 years ago, when I graduated from Chamber School, which is hosted by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and I was actually leading, um, meeting with um, OU leadership yesterday, yeah. and I shared that, gosh, last time I'd been on campus was about 20, it was 20 plus years ago, and they had, they in the past had hosted this, this, this Chamber School, so there were different options in the country where you could go, and it was a winter institute. It ended up being moved, uh, but I spent uh, four years, uh, one week uh, uh, a year here. Um, and so I had been uh, in, in that regard also in the market. So then fast forward, um, also again, when I was in Evansville, I had asked uh, former Mayor McCornett to come and speak, and he gave a wonderful uh, fireside chat about maps, as well as about the, um, you know, the, the, 
attempt and strive uh, that we all have around, you know, how do we address the obesity challenge um, here? And so that was, it was just a real fascinating discussion, which then again elevated my interest. And so I talked to people in Evansville about maps, and it was really something we should study. I had brought that idea to a few folks in, in Chattanooga as well that, hey, this is something we really need to study and look at what this city has done. Um, and then, so again, fast forward, when I started receiving pings that, uh, you know, Roy had announced his retirement, I thought, wow, that's, that's far away. I don't know. We're really happy with where we are. But the more, um, you know, once, once we were really contacted about the process, we started looking at it and we said, okay. And, and I think candidly for me, while I've loved every city we've been in and, and it's people because I just, I really adore people. And I believe cities are comprised of brilliant, wonderful people who want to contribute and give back. Oklahoma City is so special. Uh, the Oklahoma standard, you feel it. You know, I felt it as a, as a visitor here when we were, you know, looking at this opportunity and vice versa, right? We were being considered. And um, I feel like I've been in search for my match, you know, for what is that match city? And um, just feel really honored to be here, you know, because I think, and it was interesting, someone I know really well in the industry said, you know, Chrissy, you need to be somewhere without a ceiling. And Oklahoma City has is the one city that doesn't have a ceiling in terms of what it, what it can dream in the city of dreamers, right? What it can dream, what it can believe in itself and execute on. I mean, show me another city where residents have invested their own dollars to make a difference in the way Oklahomans have in such a process that's really integral to who we are. You know, the partnership with the city and the chamber around maps, uh, you know, these citywide campaigns, it is so unique. And, um, you know, it's such a privilege to be a part of the process here and help learn from, I mean, one of the things I love, Mike, is you surround yourself with brilliant people and you just watch them, you know, you watch them go and, you know, you try to convene and collaborate and, and move things. But kind of back to your earlier point, too, about every community is different. So someday when I have time, I want to get back into ballroom dancing. I've done some of it in my past, and I love it. And to me, when you're in a city, it's very much like a beautiful waltz. Like you have to feel, you have to feel your partner. You know, you have to feel the city. You have to um, follow their steps, right? And and the moves of their steps. And so, so you can't come in. You know, I've had people, Christy, what is your vision for the city? Well, you have to really come in. And I've been on this. In 90 day listening and learning tour that that now, you know, just completing four months, we're wrapping up, though it never ends. You never stop listening or learning yeah. ever. Let me be clear. Uh, but you ha- have to start moving into a space of action. And, and so to me, I think it's all about how do we create um, opportunities to harness the energy and ideas of the brilliant people who are here, whether they've been here since birth or whether they're here by choice, like me later in life. And, you know, some of us, we take the scenic route <laughs> to get here. And, uh, you know, how do we harness that, that energy in them and then create uh, our vision and our plan for the future? And I think that's, that's where we sit right now is this tremendous opportunity. And, and what I've been hearing in the community, there's so much excitement about the direction and path we're on. But yeah, how do we create together a more refined strategy for this next iteration? Mm-hmm. Back to 
uh, is the maps thing in Oklahoma City kind of legendary around the around the country in the chamber world? A hundred percent. In fact, I just hosted, I, I chair our national um, association, which is, again, the, the professional development side of, of, of our industry uh, this year. And I just hosted about 50 chamber leaders from all over the country and some of the brightest markets in the country, um, you know, small, medium and large. Right. And they were blown away um, by our cleanliness, our friendliness, our parks downtown. We had them on the streetcar. Um, on a streetcar tour, which was fantastic. We had them hear from both Roy and Craig Freeman about um, maps and how it works. And so many of them said, yeah, see, uh, there's so few communities that could pull this off in the yeah. country. And so, yes, it is absolutely legendary uh, for sure in our industry. That's good to know. Cause I mean, when you grow up here, right. Or people listening, like I, I didn't grow up here and I was, you know, I came here in 2011. So I, you know, I, know a little bit about it, but I wasn't here for, for everything. And people who grow up here, they just think that's just normal to them, right? Like you mentioned the Oklahoma standard earlier and just the willingness of the community. It's just normal. Whereas like you said, you come from all over the country and you see other people and you talk to different, you know, go to conferences, talk to people and they're like, we could never pull this off, right? Like they, they might riot if we tried, <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to hear that. I'm glad, glad to hear that as well. So getting here, <clears throat> What's like, you know, it's been a while, like I said, since you've probably been back and forth and, and this last 90 days of just fast tracking you to meet everyone, know everyone, get you kind of involved and, and really up to speed. That's pretty exciting to do for the last 90 days, right? Like a tour of the city to meet every yes. mover and shaker and, and yes. just kind of get the right people. How do you feel after that 90 days? Well, first of all, you know, there are so many leaders here and I apologize to anyone I haven't had a chance to spend time with yet mm. because um, you know there is still work to be done too so you're, you're trying to yeah. build this in but it just reinforces the decision Mike to be here uh, absolutely and and I was really taken even by the search committee you know when you start in with you know Larry Nichols, who chaired it, Sean Trasky, who's who chairs the board, right? You meet level leaders like that that are, you know, have have such. Um, you know, a strong past and tenure here in our community and the level of um, engagement and passion that they showed towards the community, despite all their business, um, you know, demands, right, that they're willing to put that much into the entity, just told me, you know, the caliber of, of this institution. So, so to me, in terms of the listening and learning tour, I think there's a lot of clarity around where we need to go, opportunities, right? Um, I think, Definitely talent pipeline, workforce development, right? We hear that over and over. You know, for those businesses that are struggling right now with that, um, with for the individuals that are tr trying to strike that balance of finding their match, you know, there's some real opportunities, I think, and, and pathway development here, particularly around STEM uh, that we see to, to help, again, some of our targeted industries. You know, when you think about defense and aerospace, you think about bioscience, right? I mean, we have some, some wonderful opportunities. And I always think, again, back to that dance with the community. You need to, to see what your assets are and really play up those assets, play up your strengths, right? Try to minimize your weaknesses to, to the best extent you can, but it's all about your strengths because every community is different. So, you know, how do we think about that workforce piece? How do we dive into the next level? And again, those targeted industries where we really have opportunities. And I think also, you know, our image and brand nationally, 
can can come to another level. You know, we have such a brilliant community, and you know, how do we showcase our story in a stronger way? We're now the 20th largest city in the country, 42nd metro, so MSA. Um, you know, it's the the competition is different. You know, we used to be the 31st, I think, uh, 31. We were ranked number 31 in terms of state or city size. Now we're 20th. So, so when you move up that many slots, again, the competition changes. And yeah. so, so the, just the playbook's different. You know, the playbook for the last decade, couple decades, uh, was absolutely brilliant. But now we have to think through, okay, what is our strategy for the next decade? Yeah. Um, and those are just, a, you know, a few highlights in addition to I think research and innovation how do we really start to take research and innovation um, entrepreneurship you know to another level as well yeah yeah definitely and and the other thing you know that obviously you know in the last few years people have seen you know the whole Sistel Park development right yes. downtown you've had you know Gary do his thing with the national um, oh. you know first national building and and all of this thing and and obviously the goal of the chambers to is to generally you know, drive economic development. But the, I think the, the thing that people forget is, is people forget that, you know, they live here, they, they've grown up here, they've spent most of their lives here, even though it doesn't look like it benefits them, it benefits them, right? And that, that's the one thing that kind of, if you can just elaborate and talk on it a little bit, is they might just see, oh, a new business is coming in from out of town and that's great for someone, but what does that mean for me, mm -hmm. right? Like, I think it's, People, I don't think they understand or it's not explained well enough of all these businesses coming in is driving money and that's making your city better. You know, it's kind of like that small town situation where like you look at Broken Bow, for example, right? A lot of people who live in Hoagetown and Broken Bow are mad because all these people from Dallas and Oklahoma City and Tulsa are coming down on vacation. It's like they've ruined their spot. Like this was our spot. And this, there is some sense of that, I think, in the city, right? You've got people coming in and new restaurants and and. But at the same time, you know, the quote, rising tide lifts all boats, it makes sense. How do you go about educating the negative people, right? Or the people that, you know, wish it was how it used to be, you know, all of that stuff. How do you get through that? And not just in Oklahoma City, but you've dealt with this your entire career as well. Yes. How, how does, like... Does it, is anything, does that resonate? Does that, does yes, a hundred percent, Mike, because I'm, I'm usually hired in to help take a city to the, to the next level. It's yeah. like we're either, we've been flat or we're growing, but we really want to, you know, think differently about it. And it's a completely valid question, right? So there are a number of things, you know, when you, uh, of course, I will state our favorite type of economic development is when our existing companies grow and thrive and expand. Number one goal. ACOM, for example. Right. You, yeah. you want to see your local companies yeah. grow, thrive. But you also have to have that mix of let's bring some in, right? And I think, you know, now we're at a point where we look at, you know, who do we really want to think about? Who do we really want to go after here? And what does that do? You know, when you see economic expansion, business expansion in the market, what it does, it brings in more jobs. Um, sometimes those jobs are going to be, you know, for local people. Sometimes it'll bring in new talent to the marketplace. Yes, it, it increases the tax base. So uh, ideally it helps to, you know, keep taxes at, um, at a reasonable level for the rest of us. But at the same time, we're able to continue 
continue to expand amenities. Yes, it brings in new cultural and arts opportunities. Um, some of the businesses we've been able to to bring in here have been big sponsors of you know whether it's the Thunder, the Dodgers, you know you name it. To you know you think about all of our arts and cultural organizations too, and what they represent and the vibrancy they bring to the community. And arts is a part of uh, economic development. You know, it's a quick sidebar. You know, 20 years ago when I was in early stages in the industry, you didn't hear about the arts and you heard quality of life somewhat, though, yeah. again, Oklahoma City was ahead of the curve on the quality of life piece, especially for those communities like, you know, those on beaches or in mount with mountains, right. you know, they can cheat. They don't have to work as hard uh, on quality of life as those of us who, who might not have beaches or mountains. Right. And um, so you think about that, that that piece of it, the quality of life piece is such an undercurrent. And that is so important. That's why our organization's involved in community campaigns. Uh, the issue campaigns is the quality of life piece. But, but yeah, when you bring in a company, I mean, it's all of those impacts, right? It's, it's um, yeah, increase in the tax base, it's new jobs. And that's really how you have population growth. The, the, the key to population growth is job growth. And, you know, I always look at it, you, you have cities that are either declining, they're staying flat or they're increasing. And it's a matter of, you know, how much they're increasing sometimes. Right. And, and I understand that, you know, there, I've had some folks say to me, how do we continue to maintain our culture as we grow? And to me that Oklahoma standard, and I look at the great work of the national Memorial museum, Carrie and her team, um, you know, the work that they do around, you know, the community conversations and, uh, how do we continue to think through civic dialogue and how, we engage everyone and, and I've challenged some folks by saying or well invited them and saying we all play a role in, in building our uh, our culture here it's welcoming new neighbors to your neighborhood by um, by what we received for example dinners and cookies and you know people literally when we're unboxing coming into our house with the movers going hey we have some cookies for you I mean that's yeah. Phenomenal. You don't see that everywhere. And multiple neighbors, right? That's phenomenal. And that's that's paying it forward in the culture. So when we have new neighbors, absolutely we're going to be doing that, right? Yeah. To someone new on your team, even if they're in a different, you know, um, department, if you will, within your corporation or your entity, you know, asking them to lunch. Hey, welcome to our organization. And, you know, those acts of kindness, I mean, kindness, right? That's what we're known for. Yes, dreams and kindness. And we are the modern frontier. And I think, you know, thinking through all of that and I'm excited. Our, our Visit OKC team is getting ready to launch, um, OKC Insider. I think I have that right. Okay. Insider OKC. And, and it's about, um, you know, tr uh, training. It's an online module where people can learn more about, yes, kind of that Oklahoma standard and, and how we uh, embody that for visitors in particular. But it also helps, you know, everyone who moves here, they're a visitor first, usually. Mm -hmm. uh, most don't, you know, move here sight unseen. And so, you know, that first impression is what helps close the deal for someone thinking about it. It's what yeah. closed the deal for my family, right? When, when I was convinced, but I, you know, kind of finger crossed and prayed that my husband and my boys would be convinced. And it was, you know, the woman, I still tell this story. I'd love to figure out who she is. You know, we stepped off the plane 
my my 13 year old read a book the whole time we get off the plane and she said son i want you to take this 20 dollars because you you read a book the whole time on that flight and you never had your you know technology out and i was so impressed by you and da -da. you know he of course we said no 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 thank you we yeah. don't need to take your money but that gesture right. i mean that set him right that set a total standard for his his experience here and i can't thank her enough yeah. <laughs> for that and i don't know who she is um, but it's but it's those little acts of kindness that make us unique and i think in particular you know what's going on in our world right now and in our country you know um places that are um kind to one another i think it's just it's a real opportunity area for us so yeah. a long answer to your question but but ultimately you know again when you bring in new more businesses when you're expanding that's when you have vibrancy in a community period yeah. well and to that point as well i've also heard a lot of people like you know people who graduate from ou or osu or oklahoma city wherever it is you know, they generally think, where am I going next, right? They right. think, I'm going to Dallas to work, I'm going somewhere else. And well, because of this, now that you retain all those people as well, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of parents that are happy that their kids aren't moving to Dallas to go work in a the city. They, they're now staying here. Yes. Right? Or they're going, so, you know, they're staying in state at least. Yes, when you have great, right, great um, opportunities uh, for, for work. Yes, yeah. that drives it. Exactly. So good. Uh, all right, finishing up, some fun questions. Uh, you, you did kind of reference growing up on a farm. Well, my father did. Yeah, like my getting up in the morning. Do, yes. do you? Did you like? I mean, do we have a favorite animal? Did you? Did you name the pets? The cows? Like, what was that like? You know, don't name the thing. Don't name the, the pets because you might be eating it. Soon. Well, and again, that that was more my father's experience. So by the time I you came along, I didn't. I, but That's I grew up thing. with dogs. We okay. grew up with dogs. We have a dog dog lover, but just love pets in general. Um, love animals. Um, we enjoy horse back riding you know some okay. great spots here in okc for that the equine uh, piece of the work and of course mm -hmm. from a visit okc piece you know the fairgrounds i mean so we've been out to the fairgrounds and can't wait for a lot of the shows this summer and just what that brings yeah. uh, to the market as well what dog do you have so we have an old English sheepdog. Okay. And so, by the way, love Barquet. Quick plug for mm -hmm. Barquet, and uh, you know have have had some great memories there. But uh, but yes, uh, old English sheepdog. All right. Then some quick five questions to finish up. What are you afraid of? Afraid. Yeah. That's hard. I would say um, maybe not fully meeting. Um, my purpose, but I feel like so far, you know, we're making a good dent on it, but mm -hmm. just continuing that. Yes. Yeah. Not reaching your full potential. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, you know, as a parent, right. Sure. Um, there's, there's a lot of fear in particular around, you know, your kids and your parenting style. And, and am I getting this right? It's very humbling. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that probably <laughs> would be where my fears lie. Uh, is there a food that you just cannot stomach? Well, I have a gluten allergy, uh, pretty severe. So, so yes, there are some. There's gluten. a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good to know. Uh, let's see. What else? I've got a long list of of like quick fire questions. Sure. They never turn into quick. They never turn into quick fire. But <laughs> you mentioned ballroom dancing. Do you have another secret talent? Or, well, not that it's secret. Yes, I wouldn't say talent? that's much of a talent, but. Um, no, no, I don't have kind of that obscure talent uh, that I'm aware of, no. Do you have a guilty pleasure when you do have time to yourself or do you have time to go, you know, watch Netflix or whatever it is? Like, are you picking up a book? Are you 
you know, thumbing through content, whatever it is? Well, I definitely, I love to read, um, love to read, but I think, you know, uh, just being outdoors, being active, um, you know, going on walks, right. Uh, we love the parks around here and just watching the kids play. And I'll often have my dog tied around my waist and just walking in circles as I'm watching them, uh, on the playground, you know, those kinds of things I think to me are, are what brings me a lot of life. Uh, anything you haven't experienced yet that you have on the bucket list? Gosh, there are a bunch of things here in OKC that I still have not been able to experience. Um, so looking forward, and and um, I won't name names there, but there's just so much to do here. I mean, obviously, there are festivals and events that haven't happened yet that my family and I are excited to experience. I mean, gosh, this last weekend with the, the Arts Fest and then the Marathon and Scissortail Park is just such a dream. Um, and, and the baseball game, you know, there was so much going on. Uh, but in terms of... Um, you know, other bucket list items. I, I would love to compete someday in a, in a full. Gosh. Sorry about that. I did not cut that off. You're busy. You have two phones. Uh, yeah, it's too, too much going on. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, uh, I would love to compete in an, um, and not just a sprint triathlon, but a full triathlon. I'm okay. not sure if I want to go, you know, full, full yeah. Ironman, you know, what, what exactly we're dealing with here, but I'd love to step it up even, even, you know, half, right. Yeah. And, and keep progressing. The, the so red man, is that the Oklahoma city one? There's one who we have in around the lake or lake after and yes, stops there. Yes. yes. That's okay. a half one. I so think. yes. Yes. I mean, so nice. maybe working towards that one day, I think at one point I was probably in good enough shape to just be able to pull it off without too much training right. but these days um and, and not where i need to be on that front and it takes serious dedication it as well does, right it's it like does, but two hour training sessions all yes, the time but being a natural swimmer it's kind of funny the the swimming portion i just well, love that's, that's the one I thing that, that i like that would yeah and because i've seen it and i've done i had friends who have done it and and i'm like the swim scares me yes right because I, I understand I, a lot I cannot of people coordinate my legs and my arms i'm yes. just an arm <laughs> swimmer and the legs just drag that's hard so i need to hard. figure that out yes but no I think it's, and I think that's something that comes with as you get older, right? Like when I was 18, 19, the last thing I could think about was running a marathon. And I get to my late 20s and early 30s, I'm like, you know, yeah, I can do this. It's kind of strange how the, like the the marathon runner age and the ultra marathon, the Ironman world, it is kind of like like 30 to 40 to 50 range, right? It's kind of, Um, it's amazing how that works. I think you're right. Unless you grew up in it, like you have a parent or someone close to you bringing you into that world. I think you're right. It's with age comes wisdom sometimes. Love it. So being a mum and being very involved and working and, and but also having a lover of travel, athletics and stuff like that. What's that like being a mum in a new city and being in the role that you are in as well? Yes. You oh get the gosh. greatest feedback. That is that's such a good uh, great question too. I think a few things, you know, I've been thrilled at how the boys have assimilated in, into the school and the school has reported, you know, for mid-year transfers, but still it's hard. Uh, you know, and, and I think as, as kids are older, it becomes hard. They kind of have their network. They have their kids. They've spent a lot of time with, and some people are really open to new friends, others less so. Right. 
um, uh, you know, I have one who's extremely outgoing, the other a little more reserved. And, and, um, but I think again, it's, it's through the sport and activity piece, uh, where that interest has, has really helped form some new friends. I have one, you know, basketball and soccer track right now. I have another, you know, swimming and tennis and martial arts, um, regarding, you know, his interest. And, but again, a voracious reader. I mean, my oldest is just, will read a series. I mean, I think he, Harry Potter is probably is he's read 10 times. I mean, it's, you know, the whole series. And so, so they have a variety of interests, but then trying to explore, you know, the city for them. Um, and, and not just the city, but the region. And, uh, you know, again, we're, we're kind of an adventurous, uh, family, you know, um, we're looking forward to RVing a bit this summer and getting out into again, different pockets of the state, uh, to better understand it. You have four boys, right? Uh, so I have three boys, one bonus okay. uh, son, and then a bonus daughter. But yes, okay. and two younger ones. Yes. Uh, and you, you all hit the road in the RV. That's like yes, yes. How so that I'd love to. I have two. We just had two dogs, right? Yes. And I'd love to just kind of do that. And and the one thing that this country is great for is just hitting the road, right? And yes. you can go anywhere. Um, God, and then obviously RVing kind of got very popular in COVID too. But like, I I I. I need to do that at some point. Yes. Well, unfortunately, my husband's very um, adept in all of yeah. that. I'm more of the, you know, do we have all everything we need clothes-wise right. and food-wise yeah. uh, role? But, um, but yes, he's the one. There's a lot, like... Uh, um, there's just a lot to it. So I won't get into some of the gory yeah, details, but if you haven't seen it. RV, it's a hilarious movie. <laughs> um, it, it's a much watch before you endeavor on that. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, but uh, there's so much going on in OKC. I, I really, you know, there's a lot of just exploring to do right, right now. Um, and it's so exciting about, you know, just thinking about our film industry of, you know, films, uh, that are being showcased here. You know, the other night we watched, um, if you can only, or I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the fact that that film was, was, uh, again, uh, produced right here, so much of it. And, um, just reminds you of the story of Oklahoma, Oklahoma city and our Oklahoma standards. So thank yeah. you. Finishing up with that Oklahoma standard. This was your first marathon weekend, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, again, it was magical. Like, how was that from Assuming you didn't have, you didn't run. So how was the? I did not run, but we were part of the celebration and, yeah. and the activity and the energy. You know, Sunday downtown. Um, it was it was just phenomenal, and of course, you know, our our visit OKC team very much you know um, ingrained in that in support of uh, the National Memorial Museum. But uh, but yeah, just the the spirit, the energy, and the community, and the people I interfaced with at the park, and just their excitement for the marathon. Of course, it was a magical day weather wise, yeah. right? Yeah, well, it was such a good day. I mean, it was yeah. perfect. I you know that day, it's just oh, thank goodness, right? Yeah. Um, but but yes, it was it was lovely super well thank you so much for an hour of your time i uh, really appreciate you you know deciding to take the job and coming here and and you know excited to see the things that you do for this city you know and i i've been here like i said since 2000 august 2011 now so it's been great for me to see this city grow in the last 10 years but i'm excited for the future and it only helps me with the podcast to have more interesting people on the podcast and guests so um i'm excited to see what happens and and for people listening i'll put the link to the chamber website and other things that they can go and reach out to and visit okc and um yeah we will we'll catch you next episode 
Well, thank you so much for having us. It's a privilege to be here. So many talented, amazing people here, just like yourself, you. uh, contributing and, and kind of taking ownership in the city and making it better in their own way. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's, uh, I love doing it. So this, this is not my day job. I wish it was at some point. Maybe we'll get there. But thank you so much. It means a lot. And um, yeah, welcome to Oklahoma City. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor. They do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma and without their support, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them, do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Weihai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.